Happy Thanksgiving. This is a wonderful time of the year because it turns our minds away from the distresses and the difficulties of life to the blessings and joys of life, which are many in everyone's life if we are walking with the Lord. So, thank you for joining us today. This service is going to be one of praise and thanksgiving. We are mindful, however, that we're still trying to hear the voice of God speaking to God's people and to those who know Him not, inviting sinners into the kingdom of God, reminding us that God is God, and apart from God, life does not exist. Health does not exist. It all comes from Him. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then, God says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So important that these are days that we would be seeking the Lord. Now there's a text in scripture that is most fitting. We read it. We read it on Wednesday night at our praise service. Had a wonderful time in our Zoom praise time. And uh, But the, probably the best psalm in all the scriptures for Thanksgiving is Psalm 103. Psalm 100, 103. Psalm 103. And if you have your Bible, if you might read along, please, as Pastor Pelletier leads us in the scripture reading this morning. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee, with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of the word of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. 
Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. May God bless the reading of his word. We've been in a long series of messages on the greatness of God. And I have been threatening to take the text of it and walk through it. And I want to do that today because it will fit right into thanksgiving. Giving thanks to God, recognizing his greatness and goodness. Hear me now. On a personal, not a theoretical, not a theological, but on a very personal level in our lives. It is one thing to have a theoretical, theological knowledge of God. It is a totally different experience in life to walk with God and to know God personally in your experience as He works daily through the various events and occurrences in your life. God is known through His Word. One must know somehow, some way, from the Word of God who and what God is. But then, how do I get to know God in that? Of course, the first step to that is knowing God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's being birthed spiritually. It's a rebirth called being born again. It's the means by which I enter into a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with God. The question is well asked, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? This is a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. In religion today, and if we would call it the Christian religion, I don't like that expression, but that does exist. In the Christian religion, many know God theoretically and theologically. They know Him mentally and they have learned the facts about God and they believe that God exists and that he is a creator and they believe very much that Jesus Christ did come we're in the Christmas season now and he did come to earth and they believe all of these facts and yet they have never hear me many who call themselves Christians have never have never established a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is to them the Savior of the world. By the way, that's what he was to me as a boy. He was not my Savior, but he was the Savior of the world. I believe he died for my sins, but I've never received him. And when I received him and invited him to come into my life and save me from my sin, at that point I established with him a wonderful, personal relationship. When David is writing this psalm, he is writing a psalm not about a God about whom he has heard or about whom he has been taught. Uh, he, is, he is acknowledging a God with whom he has established a personal walk, a personal relationship. This God has been at work in his life and he recognizes it and he's so grateful for this and he is just exalting in, in the goodness and greatness of God in his life on a personal level. So we begin, we begin with a personal relationship with God, a personal walk with God. Now, another question, another question. We become a Christian many times by faith in Jesus Christ, and then sin piles up in our lives, we get busy, we get 
active in many other things, and slowly but surely, our walk with God becomes almost non-existent. We don't talk with God. We don't enjoy the presence of God anymore. And we lose that blessedness of the activity of God in our personal day-by-day, hour-by-hour, moment-by-moment life. Now, if you are there as a Christian, my challenge to you today is come back and get to walking with God Mm -hmm. again. Noah walked with God in the midst of a very wicked and pagan generation. In fact, he and his family were the only ones. But he kept step with God. He walked with God. Not always easy to do, but let me ask you, would you rather have been Noah and his family or the rest of them? Now, the answer is quite obvious. Noah and his family got in the ark and they were saved, established a new civilization. So God is so good and practical and great. And David was uh, taking the ark of the covenant into Jerusalem to find a home for it there. And uh, as they were going, he assigned Asaph and his relatives. These were Levites. They had a choir, they had an orchestra, they had instruments. I think their instruments were quite different than the ones we use today. Uh, some of them were, some weren't, but they had stringed instruments and they had trumpets. They had all kinds of instruments, but they had a choral group also. They were assigned to give thanks to the Lord, but it was not kind of an amorphous thanks. Somebody talks about seven eleven. Songs that so many people have in their churches. You have seven phrases that you sing eleven times, uh, and and uh, it's a very limited kind of thing. And and it, but it, but it, it goes nowhere when it comes to God and His greatness and goodness. So David is giving a psalm of thanksgiving to the Lord, and he begins in verse number eight. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Now, it begins with a thankful heart. It begins with a thankful heart. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well nigh hopeless. I think that if we were to characterize American society, the society that has more of everything, we just had Black Friday, and people are getting more on more on more on more, probably our nation is the least grateful of any in the world. I saw a video on what's going on in many regions of Africa where the wars are decimating the the social structures there and the villages, and where there are tens of thousands of children that are dying of starvation. Their parents have no way to avoid it. Here we have so much, we give thanks for so little. In fact, so much we have, we can't give thanks for because it's too much. We we can't go through the list of how much we have and where it all is. We can't keep track of it all. And when we when we when we get an insurance policy on our house in order so that we can know how much we have, we no longer can make a list. The list is too long. So what we do is we take a video and we open the closets up and we open the drawers up and we video these hundreds of and maybe thousands of things we've got in our houses. Give thanks to the Lord. Thankful hearts. Thankful hearts not wanting more but grateful for what we do have. Godliness with contentment is great gain. 
But may God give us thankful hearts. Give thanks to the Lord. Now, that means, that means somehow, in, out of our mouth, and in our attitude, there is an expression of gratitude. Not only are we grateful people, but we express that gratefulness to the Lord. Best time to do this just on a regular basis is when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, when you, when you eat at the table. What you have set before you is a gift from God. Give thanks. Talk thankfully in your life. Now, a good point can be made here. The opposite of thanksgiving is, there is a C word, complaining. Complaining, complaining. Will you allow me to go somewhere today that maybe you don't want me to go? Can I go somewhere with you for just a moment? Will you, will you allow it? I need your permission now. Do you remember that when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, they got in the complaining mode? And do you remember what God said <laughs> to cure that situation? I mean, they were really complaining. He sent venomous snakes. Do you remember when Moses made a pole and put a snake up on it, a bronze serpent? to represent the poisonous snakes that were killing the people. And many a preacher, if he's ever thought this through, would wonder how many would be left in his congregation if everybody that complained was bitten by a poisonous snake, everyone with a complaining spirit. How many of us would survive? It's absolutely amazing. You see, complaining is venomous. And it's against a God who has just showered our lives, inundated our lives with volumes of blessing and good things. The Bible calls it an abundance, an abounding. The grace of God is in abundance. The mercies of God, the compassions of God abound in our lives. All of these things we have in abundance. What would happen if... All of us that led complaining lives. How many of us have complained more this week than we've given thanks this week? And many times, <laughs> have you thought about this? We sit down, and we did. We had a wonderful, we, we followed the governor's example. We had a feast. <laughs> and and we, we sat down at the table, and we had all the, the gravies too cold. The beans have too much salt. The turkey is a little dry. And, and does you understand what's going on here? We're sitting down before a feast that would be the envy of kings in days gone by. And instead of giving thanks, we're complaining. Our spirit, give thanks to the Lord. In everything, give thanks. This is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. Now what is the everything? That's not only the abounding things. That's the things we don't enjoy and we don't like. The providence of God is to our benefit and blessing. And everything give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. Now if you've looked up my notes. You'll notice it's rather than an outline. It's kind of like a chart. 
And giving thanks to the Lord is a recognition of our indebtedness. A recognition of our indebtedness. As I was praying this morning, it, 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 it occurred to me, if God didn't keep my heart beating, I'd be dead. My life, my breath, I have something to eat, I have clothes, everything I have in life. In Him we live, we move, we have our being. We are totally indebted to God for everything. Totally indebted to God for everything. Then he says, call upon his name. That is his identity, who and what he is. And it means to cry out to the one who alone can meet every need. Now it's very, very important that we understand. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek the fine knock, it will be opened unto you. If, if you being evil... And that means you have hearts that are really wayward. If you being evil as parents, if you know how to give good gifts unto your children, well, you do. You do. I mean, we are dysfunctional in sin, but we know how to give, and we love to do it as parents. If you know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? Wow. And many times, instead of complaining, we should be what? What's the A word? We should be asking. We should be asking. So we recognize our indebtedness. We cry out to the one who alone can meet every need. And then it says in verse 8, make known his deeds among the peoples. This we are reluctant to do. This we are reluctant to do. This means to publicize, make known. This means talk about. This means the people in your world need to know that you are aware that you are the beneficiary of the goodness of God in your life. Publicize his works in your life and in your world. I say it in kind of a light-hearted way. Sometimes a waitress will ask me if, if I need something to drink before, an alcoholic drink before, before my meal. And I will say, well, you know, God has been so good to me that I'm happy already. No, thank you. I, I don't need that. <laughs> and that is so true. God has been so good to me. And let the people in the restaurant see you bow your head. Let them hear you give thanks. Make known his deeds among the people. Don't be afraid when God does something good in your life. Don't be afraid to let pagans know it. They need to know that there is a God who is real. How are they going to know if you and I don't talk about him and tell others of his goodness in our lives? Publicize his works in your life and in your world. Now, here's one that, that, that you'll say, Pastor, now you must have just one note on your piano. You'll go, one note you play. But I, I, want to, I want to emphasize this. It says, sing to him. Sing praises to him. That means give voice to personal praise. It is not an apparatic voice that, apparatic voice that God wants. You're not singing in an opera. You're not giving a performance. You're letting... You're letting the thanks and the joy of your heart come out vocally. It needs to happen. If you cannot carry a tune in the bucket, that does not matter. What matters is you need to sing to the Lord. And again, 
That's one of the problems we have with modern worship. Somebody is singing for you. Nobody can sing your praise for you. Nobody can do it. You and you alone sing. Now this is God's word. Now listen. Listen carefully. I'm reading to you the word of God. God says that you need to sing. We need to teach our children to sing. Sing unto him. Sing praises to him, exalting his name. And we need to talk about his amazing, miraculous works. Speak of all his wonders. There are so many things that God does in our lives that are supernatural and we just don't recognize. Because we think that anything that's supernatural has to be spectacular. Okay? But everything that's supernatural is not spectacular. God does a lot of things in the background. I've been driving back and forth to San Francisco for 40, over 40 years now. It's going on 44 years now. And the angels of God have been on the fenders of my car. <laughs> I have not had an accident other, other than a little dented, uh, backed into somebody one time and, and dented something and in fact, that happened twice, and that's about the extent of it. But why does that happen? That ha- that's the hand of God. Time and time again, and I've driven those freeways, in the rain and at night, and God has been good to me. My life is filled with miracles and wonders. God has been gracious to me. And he's been good to you, too. The problem is our eyes are not open to these things because we're looking for the spectacular things. Somebody will give a spectacular testimony and you'll say, Oh, I've never had anything happen like that. No, 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 but you've had things just as miraculous as that happened. You have. All of us have. So we are to speak of all his wonders, publicize his work in our lives. We're to talk about his amazing works In verse 10, we are to have great personal joy in who God is. Glory in his holy name. This series of sermons has been a great blessing to me. A great blessing to me. God is always who he is. He is everything he is all the time. What a God. When I'm alone, sleeping alone at night, I'm not alone there. He is the ever-present God in all of his power and mercy and grace, all of his goodness, all of his long-suffering. What a God he is, never failing, always present, always who he is all the time, everything that he is, he is to me. And, and this, I become aware of this, and this brings me great personal comfort and great personal joy. When my dear wife passed away, it's been over eight years ago now, when she passed away, I was not alone. Not a day, not an hour have I have been alone since her passing. God has been there faithfully. Faithfully. This is to bring great joy to our hearts. Now, when we think of all the politics around us, we think of all that's going on in our culture and and in our lives. We go to work and Murphy's Law seems to prevail through everything. Something is always going wrong. 
and things are not the way we, and the people that we have to deal with and with the, the things that happen to us, how can we get joy out of all of that? The more God predominates in our, in our daily life, the more we walk with him, the more the joy will be there. Joy, apart from God, is not, is not. Let me, let me end the sentence there. True joy, apart from God, is not. Absolutely is not. So, it tells us that this is to bring great joy, great personal joy. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad, be glad. And then we are to personally search out who God is and what he provides. Now, if you do, if you write, I'm sorry, if you're working toward a Ph.D. degree, the ones about which I'm familiar, they demand that you do a research paper. You have to find a subject and you have to research that subject and then you have to write a thesis on that subject. You have to to write out what you discovered about what you studied. When this tells us to seek the Lord and his strength, this, this has to do with researching God, personally searching out who he is and what he provides. May I suggest to you that just believing in God doesn't cut it. Get into his word and say, now God, I want to know who you are and what you are. You have got to reveal yourself to me. I must know you. I must know who you are. I want to know how you think. I want to know what pleases you. I want to know what displeases you. I want to know what you will honor. I want to know what you will not honor. I want to know what your relationship is to all of this nonsense in the world I live in. I want to know that. I want to know you. And he's saying, seek the Lord, research him, study him, personally search out who he is and what he provides. And it says, seek his face continually. Do this consistently. Do this consistently, if you please. Now, that word remember comes in here, which means you willfully call to mind his amazing works in your personal life, and the values he places on the dynamics of your life. That's verse number 12. But remember, now our minds are so full and cluttered up, and we, and sometimes I think we try to fill up every minute of our lives with some kind of activity. Just sitting down and relaxing and listening to the birds sing and the waves washing on the shore is almost foreign to most people. We don't take time to think. Now we've got to be careful because if you take too much time to think, some fool will run right over you and kill you. So you have to be alert. But, but we, we need to take time to just sit down somewhere and say, now look, I'm going to think about the goodness of God. When is the last time you just took 10 minutes, say you sat down and you say, I'm going to think, I'm going to just take 10 minutes to think how good God has been. Do you know what will happen if you do that? You're going to end up in a time of prayer with God giving thanks. Mm-hmm. That's what will happen. If you sit down to give thanks, it's a rote thing and it doesn't mean much, but if you'll take time, remember, 
Remember, remember, how many times has God saved your life? How many times has God provided for you supernaturally? How many times has God led you? You thought there was a mistake and God led you with you through a hard place and by the time you got done, you said, wow, oh, 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 was God good not to let me go where I was going, do what I wanted to do? You sit down and remember. You call to mind. Take time to do that this week. Take 10 minutes, even today. Just sit down in quietness and say, I'm going to remember some of the good things God's... And begin in your childhood. You may not have been saved, but the hand of God was there. And just, just think through your life and think of the hand of God in your life. By the way, if you're going through a difficult time, this will help you too, because you will recall times when God was there and you didn't know it, but he was there. It'll be a great encouragement and blessing to you to do this. Call to mind. It's a mental discipline. Your thinking governs your life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Call to mind. Remember his wonderful deeds. His marvels, that's his miracles, the judgments from his mouth, the declarations he has spoken. And then in verse 14... He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Own Him. Have you ever told God, I'm so glad that you're my God and there is no other God in my life? First commandment is really, thou shalt not have any other God alongside of me. In other words, there's not God and then other gods. Now, a God is anything that you, to which you attribute divine attributes, anything in your life. Anything that you look to for joy, which it can't give you, satisfaction, which it can't give you, fulfillment, which it can't give you. In Jesus Christ, all fullness, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells. In Him, you are filled up to all fullness and completeness. All right? So, an idol is anything in your life to which you look to meet needs that only God can meet in your life and be what only God can be. And here he says, own him as your personal God. Have you ever told God, look now, you are my God and I thank you. I don't want any other gods in my life. I want you to be the central focus of my life, period. End, end, of, end, end of statement. You are my God and there is no God like you. It's amazing in, in Isaiah and Jeremiah, you read this phrase, I am God and there isn't any other. Now, there's none like me, but there isn't any other. I'm, I'm the only God. He's, he's the uniquely uncreated God. And without shame, we are believers. The God of the Bible is our God. He's my God. And as we own him as our God, it, it gives him a freedom to be our God. And I tell God, look, I want you to be God in my life. I don't want you to just be a God. I want you to be my personal God. I want you to be God at work in my life. Own him as your personal God. It makes a difference, if you will, in your life. I don't know why he does it, but he tells you again, you need to sing. <laughs> Some people don't like to sing. I think everybody likes to sing. I think most people don't like to be heard singing. I think maybe that is the way that we should state that because there are people I have heard singing on occasions that they wouldn't be caught dead singing if they knew somebody was listening. 
but you'll notice the wonderful thing, one of the great joys is to hear children, little children singing when they're playing. And just to hear them singing with abandon, they don't care if their voice is nice or if their voice is whatever. They don't care if they're singing high or low and on tune. But they're just, oh, a bomb, a bomb. And, and just to hear little children sing as they play. And it might be that we need to be like little children and just, just enjoy singing. And get in the car. If you have a car, if you're in a bus, just sing anyway and let everybody look at you like you're nuts. But, 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 but sing. Sing in the shower. Sing somewhere. But sing. Release the joy of your spirit to the Lord, I think we would say. Sing to the Lord. And then it says proclaim again, which is a public declaration. Publicly declare his personal divine intervention in your life and the wonderful results thereof. His salvation is an indication that he personally has intervened in situations in your life and he has delivered you. He has helped you. He has released you from danger or from disaster. Or he has intervened and provided for you things that you had to have or needed. His salvation is his personal divine intervention in your life. It's his personal deliverance. It's, a, it's an amazing, wonderful word. It, it means, of course, in the New Testament, the, the major focus, of course, is on the salvation we have from sin in Jesus Christ. And only in Jesus Christ can we be saved from sin. But there is a salvation, a deliverance, all through the Psalms where God is personally coming in, David is in trouble, God personally steps in, intervenes, delivers him and brings him out safely or gives him what he needs. Uh, this is God's personal divine intervention in life. And we need to be asking God for this. Time after time, David had to ask for this in the Psalms. And then in verse 24, Tell of his glory among the nations. This means that we should see, and this has to do with missions uh, in one sense of the word. See that others in far off places hear of this wonderful God and the great things that he has done. His miracles, his wonderful deeds. Tell of his glory among the nations. Why should we do this? Because he is a great God. His praise is to be extraordinary. He is to be held in awe, far above all other gods. One thing that interests me, and one thing that concerns me greatly as a pastor, is that people in our society stand in awe of technology. And yet the God who created a vast universe of two or three trillion galaxies is totally unknown to them. Absolutely disregarded, ignored, not known. Christians really hold technology in more awe and reverence than they hold God in awe and reverence. They look to technology for their deliverance, they look to technology. We're looking to technology to get us through this plague of the coronavirus. It will not happen except by the mercy of God. We hold technology in awe, but we don't hold God in awe. And we need to pray that God will protect us as Christians and bring us through this plague in a way that will display the glory of God.
where men will hold our God in awe and wonder and amazement. And young people in college, their hearts have been captured by technology, but their hearts have not been captured by God. And they give their lives to technology and making money and the American dream. In place of going into the ministry, going to the mission field, preaching the gospel, reaching out on behalf of God to meet the spiritual needs of people. Who do you hold in awe? What do you hold in awe and wonder in your life? To what are you looking? His praise is to be extraordinary and he is to be held in awe far above all gods. Verse 27 gives us a description. Splendor, majesty, strength, and joy are in his place. Verse 28 uses the word ascribe. King James says give. This is the New American Standard. It means ascribe to the Lord. which means give the credit due to God. Give the credit due to God. If you are a talented person, you need to give the credit to God. Amen. If you have education, you need to give the credit to God. If you have money, you need to give the credit to God. If you have strength, you need to give the credit to God. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Give him proper credit for his divine perfections and power in your life. Verse 29, ascribe to the Lord. Give God credit for his exalted name. Do not come empty-handed before him. This is very, very important. You see, giving, giving is foreign to the hearts of selfish people. God gives us everything we have. And the tithe and the offering is just that which we bring. It's a portion of a, of a tremendous abundance that God's given us. Do we come to God empty-handed after what he's given to us? Christmas season is coming. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? So you come to the family gathering and you don't bring any gifts. And you leave Christmas with a trunk load, your car trunk filled with gifts from other people but you bring them nothing. That's the way people live in a relationship with God. Our cars, in fact, we have to have a U-Haul truck. We have so much. God gives us all of this, and what do we bring to him? Nothing. 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 It's an absolutely amazing phenomenon in life that we receive so much, we take to ourselves so much, and we give back so little. We give back so little. It is amazing. So he said, bring an offering. Come before him and worship him. Recognize his sovereign ownership of everything and hold him in awe and wonder. Can I have that hymn book, please? Who has a hymn book from this morning? The one from this morning. Okay. We sang we sang a hymn at, at the first part at the first part of the service today. We sang we sang a hymn. And 
It is amazing. We sing this hymn and it's just kind of a formal hymn to us. But it's an amazing hymn. Oh, worship the King. Now, who is God? He's sovereign over everything. Who is our Lord Jesus? He's the creator of everything. He's the one that's brought everything into being and existence. And he's the one who has provided and given us every gift of life. Worship the King. All glorious above. And gratefully sing his wonderful love. He's our shield. He's our defender. He's the one through all of history. He's the agent. He's the one who has faithfully presided all the way from the creation of Adam through today. And through the end of time he will. The ancient of days. Pavilioned in splendor. He is seated at the right hand of God and he's girded with praise in the angelic host. Now tell of his might. If God has saved you, you have experienced the power of God. Tell of his might. Sing of his grace, his divine favor, whose robe is the light and whose canopy is space. He fills the heavens and the earth. His chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark as his path on the wing, wings of the storm. He's the God who comes into earth, and he comes sometimes with a coronavirus worldwide. Mm -hmm. He does. His bountiful care, his overflowing, bountiful care. What tongue can recite this, can put this all together? It breathes in the air. It's all around us like the air. We breathe his goodness like we breathe air. And it shines in the light. It streams like waters, rivers of water from the hills that descends to the plain. And it sweetly distills in the dew and the rain those precious, wonderful little droplets of the goodness of God in our lives. Frail children of dust, feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Wow. We trust him, he never fails. Now I've been in pastoral ministry almost 60 years. I've been a Christian much longer than that. Probably 72, over 72 years I've been a Christian. And he's never failed me yet. Never. Thy mercies, thy compassions. This is the tenderness of God in our life. How firm to the end. Our maker, that's our creator. Our defender, that's the one that takes care of us. Our redeemer, that's our savior. And our friend. What a God. What a God. The greatness of our God. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering come before him. Worship the Lord really in the splendor, the shining splendor of holiness. May God give us a heart today of thanksgiving and praise. And may it so fill us up that we sing and we publicly advertise his goodness.
to our friends, our neighbors, our families, and those in our world. We have a great God. And as David is marching into Jerusalem, I can see these horns, and they have these strange horns that they blew, and they're strange instruments as they're marching, playing the instruments, and they're singing this psalm of praise to the Lord as they're on the way to Jerusalem to take the Ark of the Covenant into its place of rest into Jerusalem, into the central place it has in the nation of Israel, and may the worship of God have a place, a central place in our hearts as God's people today. May this be a day of genuine thanksgiving. May I suggest to you when you sit down to eat today, take time for more than a, just a five-second prayer of thanks. Just give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Think, be aware, take time to thank and to praise the Lord. Now, if you do not know this great God and this wonderful God, you need to come to a personal relationship with him. It might be you call yourself a Christian, but Jesus is a Savior, but he is not your personal Savior. Big difference. You know about God theologically and theoretically, but to know God one-on-one. On one. He is my personal God. That's something else. And that relationship is established by opening the door of your heart and life, receiving, welcoming Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior and Lord, calling on his name, asking him to save you from sin. Lord Jesus, you died for my sins. You're the Son of God. You rose again. You're alive in heaven today. I want you to come into my life. Save me from my sin today. Become my Savior and my Lord forever and my God forever. Do that. Do that today. Life will never, never be the same again. May God bless you. Look to him. Call on his name today. And take time, take time today or this week. Take at least ten minutes. Just sit down in a quiet place. And in your mind, recall and recount the goodness and the blessing of the Lord. Father in heaven, you're a good God, and you're a great God. Your loving kindnesses, your tender mercies, your compassions, the outpouring of your divine favor is utterly, utterly beyond comprehension. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, O oh God, for saving us from our sins. Thank you, O oh God, for just loading our lives with divine blessing and goodness. Thank you for caring for your watch care and keeping through a lifetime all that you've done for us. God, I pray that we may be your people, we may identify as your people, we may bear your name with great joy and gladness in a pagan culture that knows nothing about who you are and how great and good you are. God, be praised in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.